welcome to the Live Well for Longer podcast, the podcast for people who want to learn the art and science of healthy aging and longevity. Join me, Sarah Little, a wellbeing science specialist and positive psychology practitioner, as I share the psychology and behaviors associated with longevity and quality of life. Let's begin. A well-lived life is one where we have the proper systems in place. Systems such as our habits help us to live a long and fruitful life. One of the things I love about centenarians and near centenarians is that they often have an increased quality of life for their age. So they're often very exuberant and vibrant and they get on and they live quite a healthy life up until the age that they pass over. And habits is what helps them to live that long, healthy and happy life. In today's episode, we will discuss the habits of near centenarians and centenarians living in the blue zones. This is a hot topic right now and for good reason because habits are what shape our life. Now what I'm interested in and what I would like to share with you today are the personality habits, the way people think and their behavioral habits. So what people do to live until they're 100 and to live until they're 100 in a very fruitful and vibrant way. So to begin with, we are going to start with habit formation number one. Longevity habit formation number one is social relationships. I know you've heard me talk about this on the podcast a lot, but until you actually make it a habit, then really it's it's a goal it's a wish and i think a lot of us wish for strong bonds and i myself have been there when i first moved to australia i didn't know anybody but as soon as i started to make it a habit to go out and meet people i used to go to toastmasters and networking meetings as soon as i made it a habit to consistently socialize then that's when my life started to take on a new direction. That is when I started to become happier and healthier. Now, I think a lot of times we kind of withdraw socially because we have these thoughts in our head that maybe we're introverts or maybe we are not social creatures or it's too hard to socialize or the idea that maybe nobody in our area is actually, you know, our type of person. I know my partner, he has this idea that he doesn't know anyone that he kind of wants to um, meet up with regularly. And there's the, there are these beliefs that we can sometimes have, which prevent us from going out there and making it a habit to consistently socialize. And the thing with habits is once you get into the routine, then that's when a lot of your 
mindset, these thoughts begin to shift. One of the things I think we forget or we just really ignore a lot, especially it's especially in the self-help world and within psychology and positive psychology, is we ignore the environment that we are in or that we keep placing ourselves in. And instead, we look to our mindset, our thoughts, our beliefs, and our feelings. But I'd like you to flip the script here and start to see the reverse. So instead of having to think yourself into being social and think yourself into being um, comfortable and outgoing and seeing yourself as the social creature, I want you to just take some small steps and put yourself into environments where you can begin to be social. So whether that is choosing um, like one event that you can go to each week, such as yoga or a swimming class or tai chi or qigong, put yourself into social a social setting each week regularly, consistently, and you'll find that the behavior and the environment will shift your mindset. And I've experienced this in my own life. At the start of 2023, I said I wanted to be more social. And I live in a very small town. There's not that many things happening. So I decided I would bloom where I was planted and I would make the most of my situation. And I just started going to things, events that I thought would help me to um, become more social. And certainly the events were great and I enjoyed them. But it wasn't the fact that I decided that I wasn't going to be an introvert anymore. It wasn't the fact that I didn't think it was hard. It wasn't the fact that I, I wasn't going to shift my mindset. My mindset shifted when I started doing the activities, not when I started thinking positively or thinking I was extroverted. And I became more social as a result of feeling the fear and doing it anyway, which is a quote from Susan Jeffers. I think she wrote her book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. It may be in the 80s or 90s. It's a very old book, but it's a very good book. And so the first habit of people who live a long and fruitful life is that they have strong social bonds. So I ask you to commit to one social experience each week and put yourself into that place. And you'll likely find that that habit of showing up into a social situation each week will create a ripple of other habits. So habit longevity habit number one is to have strong social bonds and start small. Okay, number two, let's move on now. Number two is leisure activities. So people who live until they are long and a long and healthy life have activities they do on a daily basis that they enjoy and look forward to. Now, there's two types of overarching uh, themes here with the leisure activities. 
uh, there are, is meaningful activities and there's hedonic activities. If you want to learn more about activities in general, because I do discuss this in detail about how to create craft activities that elevate risk and that elevate your life so you are well rested and you have a well lived life, then please see my previous episode. So there's two overarching themes when it comes to leisure activities. There is a theme of meaning in life. So you can have a leisure activity that you find you you have um, um, a sense of, you derive, sorry, a sense of meaning from. So a sense of meaning from is, it could be anything. It could be writing. It could be knitting, it could be yoga, it could be gardening, but this is something you derive a sense of meaning from. And often when we have this sense of meaning, we get into the state of flow. And Mihai Csikszentmihalyi is the founding father of the flow state and flow theory. And flow is when we are in the moment and we lose ourselves to the activity. A flow state is experienced also, when we are doing something that is inside our comfort zone, but also just on the edge of it. So we are breaking through to an, the next level. And so we're experiencing this flow state where time just passes us by and we forget about things. We forget about what's happening around us when we are astutely in the present moment. And so activities that give you meaning in life and often I've heard time and time again throughout my career the same question and it's I don't know what my purpose in life is I don't know what I get meaning from I don't know what activities I derive meaning from and I would ask you to invite the question what excites me into your life because what excites you is what you should be doing. It is your purpose. It is the thing that you'll derive meaning from. And luckily for me, writing has been my purpose largely for most of my life, most of my adult life anyway. And I derive an immense sense of meaning from my writing, immense but that's not to say it's without fault and it's without challenges. We can still be excited by something, but not be good at it. And I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in this idea that we have to be good at things. And in fact, we don't. We don't need to. If you derive meaning from something, then that is the thing you should be doing, regardless of how good you are. When I first started writing, I was not good at writing. I was told to not sit my English exams in school because I would fail them and I dropped out shortly after. However, I learned to write by myself in my spare time and I didn't care that I wasn't very good, but I learned one sentence, one paragraph at a time. Again, when we are we go back to those small steps, when we are developing habits we are developing small incremental steps. And I love this idea of small steps because it really does take away this idea 
of creating a grand goal. And especially it can be hard when it comes to wanting to live a quality life and wanting to live a long life. We might get wrapped up in the, the idea of the outcome or the goal of having a happy, healthy, long life. When in fact, the happy, healthy, long life is nothing more than the procedure or the systems that you have in place. They are the outcomes. And people often get happiness confused. They think that happiness is something that happens to them, but it's not. It's not the cause, it's the effect. So if you want to live a happy, healthy, long life, then you have to focus on the cause. And these items, these longevity habits I'm sharing with you today are the causes. They might seem simplistic and often overlooked, but I guarantee if you actually implement them, you will see the changes. And yes, certainly if you try to engage in a meaningful hobby every day for the next month and then you give up, Certainly, you will feel some level of satisfaction and have some result for that month. But the true test of a good habit is how long it can stand for. So it's the longevity of it. And so coming back now to the second element, we talked about the eudaimonic, sorry, the eudaimonic, which is the meaning in life, having a hobby which you derive an immense sense of meaning from. That is one type of hobby, one type of activity, leisure activity. The second is hedonic. And the hedonic is an epicurist sort of phrase, I would guess. That that's where it stemmed from. And often people think of hedonic as drinking wine and, and drinking wine and eating cheese. And of course, who doesn't love a good glass of red wine and some camembert? However, hedonism and a hedonistic activities really are activities that you gain pleasure from. And maybe you don't derive meaning from them, or maybe you have a combination of meaning and pleasure. Often you, you will. But pleasurable activities, I want you to think small here, not grand, like shopping and, as we've spoken about, drinking wine. But it might be pouring yourself a a delicious matcha green tea, sitting down with a book and reading for half an hour every day. That may be a habit, uh, a leisure activity that you derive immense pleasure from. I know I do. I have a pleasurable activity that I do regularly and I love this streaming platform. It's a very old streaming platform, very old, so be warned if you do check it out, but I personally love Wonderum. It was previously known as The Great Courses and Wondrum have an excellent um, series on how to look at art. I love learning about art. I love learn, uh, learning about the history of art and how to approach art. So I watch this series on Wondrum when I am not busy, when I am not uh, regularly immersed in studies or writing. I try to watch this regularly, once a week at least, but I do like to watch it daily. It just helps me wind down. And I don't gain any meaning from watching this art series, none whatsoever. It's not meaningful 
to me, I just derive pleasure from it. I just derive pleasure from learning about art and it's a very hedonistic activity for me. So finding hobbies that are meaningful or pleasurable can really elevate your life, can really elevate the quality of your life and turning those activities into habits. Now you can probably hear my little dog in the background, Zeus. He is rolling around on the floor. He's a small French bulldog and his color is lilac, which is interesting because he's like a pale, like fawn color, but it's known as lilac, which is fascinating. He is the cutest, by the way. You'll have to see him on my, I don't really post about him. Actually, I do have a photo of him on my Instagram. So if you go to at Sarah Marie Little, you'll see him and me smiling in a photo. So, so we've spoken about social relationships and meaningful and pleasurable uh, leisure activities. The next item I want to briefly, briefly touch on is physical activity. And I think this goes without saying. I think it's one of those things, but I think it's important to touch on this because physical activity is one of the cornerstones cornerstone habits of people in the blue zones it is a cornerstone habit and I say physical activity and I have to describe this to you because you're going to think that people in the blue zones take half an hour out or one hour out to exercise each and every day and that's that that's simply true but it's simply not the whole truth and the fact is that people who live a long healthy life from the moment they get up to the moment they go to bed they are exercising. And I say exercising in a very broad term, but they are really moving physically regularly throughout the day. So it's a very um, movement-orientated life. And now if you think about some of the blue zones, a lot of the regions uh, of the blue zones do involve a lot of walking and a lot of activity. And so walking is very much a cornerstone of their physical movement. But they're not only walking, they're they're constantly moving throughout the day. And it's small, natural movement. So their habit is small, natural movements throughout the day. So it might be weeding the garden, doing the dishes, cooking. A lot of these blue zones, they cook things by hand. They don't use electric beaters or I don't know because I don't have, I'm, I, I cook by hand. I'm very old school. <laughs> and even when it comes to mowing the lawn, like they don't have right on lawn mowers or things like that, you know, they are very old school. And my husband, he wanted to get a right on lawn mower. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. Let's keep with the push lawn mower because it's movement. But we as a society, have learned to make our life easier, but at what cost? And the cost has been in making our life easier, we are losing a lot of our physical, daily, natural movement that we once, um, you know, we once were engaged in just naturally as a result of living. So if you can, try to move slowly mindfully and regularly throughout the day 
try taking the bike or walking if you're just going to the shops and they're within uh, walking or cycling distance. Try gardening and mowing the lawn by hand instead of hiring a gardener or using a ride on lawnmower. So these things, even though, again, even though they seem small, they do take effort and that's where making it a habit comes into it. So you might say, I'm going to make it a habit to move throughout the day. But when it comes to it, you have likely got habit a habit of not being movement orientated and moving in certain, a certain type of way. You're going to have to create a plan to create these new habits. So what do you intend to do to move more throughout the day? And when do you intend to do it by? You might put into your diary every Tuesday and Thursday morning between the hours of 8.30 and 9, I am going to weed the garden. And that is your habit for that morning to get you into these longevity habits to ease you in. Again, we have to focus on the cause not the effect and planning is always going to be a necessary step in order to create a really happy and healthy life and it would be nice to not have to think about it but initially it's going to be uncomfortable initially you're going to have to think about it a little bit so we've spoken now about exercise and I will say having a healthy diet is a really good longevity habit but I'm not going to touch on that today because I'd like to focus on personality and I'd like to focus on behaviors related to personality and not just uh, and not nutrition so I'm going to put that in there and we're going to move on we will move on so the next longevity habit that I'd like you to embark upon is learning to handle stress, learning to manage stress. And I think this is, again, similar to the social connected, uh, connectedness, one of those habits where we can see ourselves as a type of person. So you might have this idea that you are a type A person, you're tightly wired, you are a perfectionist, you stress a lot, and you have all these I beliefs in your head. And I belief is I am the type of person who. So you might have a I belief about I am the type of person who stresses over the little things. I am the type of person who um, insert the blank, always get stressed when I go shopping. And this is really important because we need to work on these I am statements just as we work on our behaviors. Can you hear my little puppy? That's my other little puppy, Luna, in the background. She is the noisy one. We have the noisy one and Zeus is the, I don't know what you are, Zeus. He's the teddy bear. Luna is um, our first puppy and we lost our other dog last year and she was very sad. So we ended up uh, adopting Zeus and she's been happy ever since. 
I think that goes to, goes back to the social relationships. We do better in peers. We do better as a community. And I was sharing this with my son actually this morning, just to deviate from stress a little bit. He asked me who was who came up with the evolution of the human species. And we often think of Darwin, but Darwin was obviously not the first. In fact, many, many people went before Darwin, um, men and women. And one of the women who I like, um, Marian Maria, Maria Marian, it's quite an interesting name. She figured out it was 100 years before Darwin, the evolution of insects. And she figured out how they evolved. And it was very leading edge at the time especially given that she was a woman a lot of her concepts were not taken on board but I was speaking to my son about this and about how as a society some uh, human races have died out and we talked about how human beings have evolved from you know um, this very um, caveman-like species to this very smart species that we have been and it's taken seven million years and the fact is that we're not in a way we are unique and in a way we're not but there were 20 different types of humans and you know all the human uh, the neanderthals etc and we were one type and we are the type that survived you know and we were discussing about why and just having this conversation, why did our species survive and the others die out? And I was sharing with him the importance of social relationships. And, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, we are stronger together. We are stronger together and we are happier when we are together. And the other element of that is it's not about just being together. It's about communication. And this is a really important point that I wanted to share with him, especially because he plays a lot of video games and I play with him sometimes and we work as a team. And this comes back to what we're talking about with stress is that we are stronger together and we work better when we can communicate with other people. And one of the things about handling stress is that we often go to meditation or to breathing exercises and certainly I agree those are fantastic and wonderful habits but also we can look at turning to social relationships turn to communicating with loved ones and Again, bringing that social relationship back into the mix. I cannot stress how important that is to make this a habit, the social, having social relationships, to show up and to share with other people how we are feeling, to share and let them know we need support. It's huge. So how can you make it a habit to handle stress, to lower your stress in your daily life? Are you going to make it a habit? Every time you're stressed, you're going to reach out to a friend or a loved one and let them know 
how you're feeling. Are you going to make it a habit to stop saying, I am? Stop saying, I am the type of person who gets stress. I have a terrible habit, um, which I'm working on shifting, in that every time I begin to study something new, I kind of clench up a little bit. I contract. And I should really be expanding. I should be in a joyful state, but I get a little bit stressed and I close up. So I'm learning to let this go, to allow myself the space to just be with the process of learning and not make it a stressful experience. So stress is one thing so that we can't control in life. It's not something that we can ever be rid of. And I certainly can't imagine living a life without stress because then it would be a life without reward. But how can we learn to handle stress in a productive manner? What habits of rest, relaxation, restoration can we embody and imbue into our daily living? Okay, so we are going to move on to the next item. Now, this is the final item, and this is not an exhausted list by any means, but these are the overarching themes, and this was my intention today, was to give you some overarching themes for your longevity habits. Now, the last item is nature, nature engagement, and to create habits that are centered on the natural world. Again, as a species, I think we have lost touch a little bit with some of these vital health elements. And we've lost touch because we've been moving so ferociously ahead with our society, with productivity and it's really came at quite a cost to nature and to our connection with nature. But people in the blue zones have a strong bond with nature. And I would invite you to explore creating some habits around a natural world. Now, this does not by any means mean you have to go out and forest bathe. But if you want to, you can. Natural engagement, nature engagement might be going for a swim in the ocean or the swimming pool every Sunday. It might be, again, going to that idea of gardening, gardening once a week, being in nature. You might also find that you can do activities that you normally do in your daily life outside. I used to practice my yoga outside and meditate outside. When it wasn't too hot or too cold, I would sit on the grass. Now, 20 minutes is an amazing amount of time, optimal time, I think. Um, but you don't need 20 minutes outside or in nature. In fact, you know, even as little as five or 10 minutes can make a huge impact. 
on your happiness levels and your health. So think about how you can invite the natural world into your daily life. If you're living in an apartment, or speaking of the natural world, we have some uh, cockatoos outside. Um, if you're living in a natural in an apartment, then see if you can invite the natural world in. Maybe you can bring in a peace lily, which cleanses the air, and sit it on your desk. I love the peace lily also because of the name. Maybe you can um, bring some other elements in, such as some essential oils uh, of lavender or chamomile. Again, these things do serve a dual impact because not only is lavender and chamomile a natural element, but it's going to reduce the stress for you. It's going to help uh, reduce any of those stresses and burdens. So how can you make it a habit to spend more time in nature, to engage with the natural world? You might find that instead of going to your local supermarket, which is very devoid of connection with your fruit and vegetables, you go to farmer's markets where you talk to the farmers and you learn about the local produce and you have this relationship with your food, the natural world. Again, you can also change the way you uh, live uh, and get closer to the natural world by shifting the way you work with lighting. This is one thing that I have been very much an advocate for because your lighting is so important for your sleep. So the minute the light passes through your retina, it's sending signals to the brain, serotonin signals that it's time to wake up. And the importance of having a pitch black bedroom for sleep and, and sleep is one of the foundational things. I, I should really say that it's the final habit, but it is the one of the foundational things, having healthy sleep habits for a long and healthy life. So lighting, how can you block out the light in your room when it's bedtime? Maybe you in the evening, you begin to dim your lights as it grows in darkness. Now, I used to live in a small apartment in Sydney and I could not see the outside world. There was only a small window where my laundry was and a window where my living room was, but it was frosted. So you couldn't really see out. And that was one of the most challenging times in my life because because I wasn't getting the sufficient light in the morning and learning, my body wasn't understanding, my brain didn't know when it was dark, I had difficulty sleeping and difficulty with my happiness levels as well. And so working with lighting to, to help mirror the natural world might be one habit you'd like to start this year. Okay, that brings me to the end of this episode. Now, we have talked largely about shifting your personality and shifting behaviors that contribute to living a long and healthy life. Not unlike, you know, the centenarians and centenarians in the blue zones, but the, all of the information I shared with you today is information I learned from conducting my systematic review on the blue zones. 
and I focused on the personality and behavioural habits of people in the blue zones, near centenarians and centenarians. And so this comes from my own research. And so I would invite you to think about what habits you'd like to create this year, what longevity habits. Again, less is more. I have a I have a motto that I try to live by, and I say try because it can be very hard to live this way in our world, but I keep coming back to it. I keep trying. I don't think there's ever going to be a place of arrival. I don't think that's possible for for me. Um, but it's but it's to do less, but do it better. And if you just choose one thing from this episode and you go running with it, for 12 months, two months, however long it takes for you to master it, your life will be better. Your life will be better, your quality of life, and hopefully your, your quantity of life will be better too. But work on one little tiny thing at, at a time, small steps. Or if you are like me and you can master things very quickly, maybe you'd like to work on one item such as social relationships this month and next month you're going to focus on activities that bring meaning into your life and then the following month you're going to focus on activities that bring pleasure into your life and then the subsequent month you're going to focus on reducing stress and so forth and you can go through systematically these items over the course of a year and your life will be better okay Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode helpful. And if you did, please let me know. And apologies again, if you can hear my puppies in the background. That's life. Life happens and we continue. We work through it. We work through the challenges and we keep moving on. I read this great, great quote uh, this morning and I just thought it was beautiful. And I actually printed it out. I cut it up and I put it on my son's PlayStation so he can see it. Um, now, I don't know who the the author of the quote is, so apologies. If you are interested, please probably just do a Google search. The quote is, I never lose, I either win or I learn. And I think that sums up the mindset of centenarians. They have a growth mindset. They think about the positives. They think about if they don't make a goal, if, if they mess something up, if they don't stick to a habit, what did they learn? How can they improve and how can they move on and move forward? And life is never going to be perfect, but we can continue to work with what we've got and we can bloom where we are planted. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As we conclude this Live Well for Longer podcast episode, we sincerely appreciate your presence on this journey. Your support fuels our mission, so remember to subscribe and leave your thoughts. And if you'd like to download a positive aging manifesto with seven traits to age healthy and happy, then visit positiveaginginstitute.com slash manifesto. Until next time, live a connected and committed life.